Hey everyone, and welcome to Blue Talks. It's Corey Poirier, the founder of Blue Talks. I hope you enjoy this live talk from Maria Ray. Enjoy. give us the ability to captivate, influence, and transform. When you can tell a story, it allows you to show up as authentic and trustworthy. And when you can move someone with your story, that is when you can change lives. So when I was 19 years old, I was um, going to school and working two jobs, one at a hospital and one at a nursing home. And at the nursing home one afternoon, I saw that there was this beautiful woman who was being admitted, and she had silver gray hair and a smile that could just draw you in. And I walked by her, and I remember thinking, wow, she's really beautiful. I wonder who she is. So um, I went down to the wing that I was working on, and after they, she was registered, they brought her in on the wing that I was working on. So I went in to help with her, um, with getting her settled. And as everyone was making her comfortable, I noticed that her name was Bert, and that she was an end-of-life patient who was there suffering from Alzheimer's. And so, at, I'm sorry about this, as we got, um, as I got, we got further into the process, her family was there and they were leaving, and I found myself there by myself with her, so we began to talk. And the other thing that I noticed about Bert was that she had the same last name as my mom. So my mom had married a man two years prior, and I wasn't really crazy about the guy that she married. So I didn't really know much about his family, so I was a little bit curious as to why they had the same last name. So I was talking to Bert, and she was telling me about her family. And as she was telling me, she got to her one son who had married this woman two years earlier. And she adored this woman. And she went on and on about how much she just loved her. And I stopped her and I said, could I ask you her name? And she said, Deanne, my mom. Oh. So in that moment, I realized that that beautiful woman with the silver gray hair, who had a smile that could bring you in, was indeed my step-grandmother. And when she found out that I was Deanne's daughter, we had a bond that was just unbelievable. So as time went on, over the next three weeks, I spent every day with her. Whether I was at work or I'd stop in to see her, I loved this woman. She was amazing. We bonded like nothing else. And I, um, it was funny because as Alzheimer's often does, her memory was a little bit lapsed and sometimes she would know me as that girl and sometimes she would know me as Maria. But as I would come in, my coworkers would always laugh and they'd say, she's, talking, she's asking for you today, today you're that girl, or you're Maria today. 
So it was kind of, over the next three weeks, it kind of became a standard joke. Um, I also got to know her daughter, Freddie, who was a, a lovely, lovely woman. And she um, was telling me about her mom, and then I learned from my mom about her. And I had learned that Bert wasn't always the nicest person that she wasn't always really good to her family, and she wasn't always good to her children. And although I understood what they were saying, it wasn't important to me because the woman that I knew was amazing, and we had gotten along so well. So about the fourth week into Bert's stay, um, she had come, uh, Freddie had come to me, and she had said, that the doctors came to her and that she would only have a, about a week to live. So she was planning for round-the-clock care and asked me if I wanted to be a part of that. She knew the bond that we had. It was so special to me, so of course I would do that. And we, um, so I told her I could stay from 7 o'clock at night to 7 o'clock in the morning. That way I went to school and I had two jobs and I could just Hey everyone, and welcome to Blue Talks. It's Corey Poirier, the founder of Blue Talks. I hope you enjoy this live talk from Maria Ray. Enjoy. give us the ability to captivate, influence, and transform. When you can tell a story, it allows you to show up as authentic and trustworthy. And when you can move someone with your story, that is when you can change lives. So when I was 19 years old, I was um, going to school and working two jobs, one at a hospital and one at a nursing home. And at the nursing home one afternoon, I saw that there was this beautiful woman who was being admitted, and she had silver gray hair and a smile that could just draw you in. And I walked by her, and I remember thinking, wow, she's really beautiful. I wonder who she is. So um, I went down to the wing that I was working on, and after they, she was registered, they brought her in on the wing that I was working on. So I went in to help with her, um, with getting her settled. And as everyone was making her comfortable, I noticed that her name was Bert, and that she was an end-of-life patient who was there suffering from Alzheimer's. And so, at, I'm sorry about this, as we got, um, as I got, we got further into the process, her family was there and they were leaving, and I found myself there by myself with her, so we began to talk. And the other thing that I noticed about Bert was that she had the same last name as my mom. So my mom had married a man two years prior, and I wasn't really crazy about the guy that she married. So I didn't really know much about his family, so I was a little bit curious as to why they had the same last name. So I was talking to Bert, and she was telling me about her family. And as she was telling me, she got to her one son who had married this woman two years earlier. 
and she adored this woman. And she went on and on about how much she just loved her. And I stopped her and I said, could I ask you her name? And she said, Deanne, my mom. Oh. So in that moment, I realized that that beautiful woman with the silver gray hair, who had a smile that could bring you in, was indeed my step-grandmother. Oh, wow. And when she found out that I was Deanne's daughter, we had a bond that was just unbelievable. So, as time went on, over the next three weeks, I spent every day with her. Whether I was at work or I'd stop in to see her, I loved this woman. She was amazing. We bonded like nothing else. And I, um, it was funny because as Alzheimer's often does, her memory was a little bit lapsed, and sometimes she would know me as that girl, and sometimes she would know me as Maria. But as I would come in, my coworkers would always laugh, and they'd say, she's, talking, she's asking for you today, today you're that girl, or you're Maria today. So it was kind of, over the next three weeks, it kind of became a standard joke. Um, I also got to know her daughter, Freddie who was a, a lovely, lovely woman. And she um, was telling me about her mom, and then I learned from my mom about her, and I had learned that Bert wasn't always the nicest person, that she wasn't always really good to her family, and she wasn't always good to her children. And although I understood what they were saying, it wasn't important to me because the woman that I knew was amazing, and we had gotten along so well. So about the fourth week into Bert's stay, um, she had come, uh, Freddie had come to me and she had said that the doctors came to her and that she would only have a, about a week to live. So she was planning for round-the-clock care and asked me if I wanted to be a part of that. She knew the bond that we had, it was so special to me, so of course I would do that. And we, um, so I told her I could stay from 7 o'clock at night to 7 o'clock in the morning. That way I went to school and I had two jobs and I could sleep when she slept. So I started that night, as a matter of fact. And as the week went by, um, we were getting closer to Friday and my boyfriend's brother was actually coming into town that day, or Friday, and I needed to go to dinner with them. So I called Freddie and I asked if I, yeah, it would be okay. And she said, yep, I'll stay there until you get there. So on Friday we went to dinner and um, I was walking down the hall and Freddie stopped me before getting to her room and she said, Maria, she's been asking for you all day and there seems to be some urgency with it. So um, I went in to see Bert and like I normally do, I walk over, she smiles, I hug her and she grabbed my hand. And she said, Maria, I need to talk to you. Now, I just want to point out that she was calling me Maria that day. So it was quite serious for her. And I explained that as soon as everybody left the room, that we would have all night to talk. I was here all night. So Freddie and her husband were getting ready to leave. And Ed, her husband, was also there. And he was in his 80s. And he couldn't drive, but wanted to stay a little bit longer. So I offered to take him home. 
So Ed stayed and visited with his wife for a little while. And then um, it was time for, her, for him to go home. So I told Bert I would be right back. And again, frantically, she wanted to make sure that I was going to be there. So we went to, uh, I took Ed home and came back. And when I came back to the room that night, I sat next to her bed and I held her hands and I said, Bert, what is, what is so urgent that you want to talk to me about? She had been asking for me all day. So she looked at me with this frantic look on her face and she said, I'm afraid. She said, I haven't always been good in my life. I haven't been good to my children. I haven't gone to church. And now I don't know where I'm going. So as she was talking to me and telling me that this peaceful, calm feeling came over me. And with all of my 19-year-old wisdom, <laughs> um, I asked her, I said, Bert, do you believe in God? And she said, yes, yes I do. And then I said, well then, my God is a very forgiving God. And that if you believe in him, then I know exactly where you're going to go. It's a beautiful place. And then I said, and Bert, will you do me a favor when you get there? And she said, sure. And I said, will you watch over me in this life? <laughs> because I have a feeling I'm going to need it. <laughs> and she smiled her oh so beautiful smile that could just draw you in. And she looked at me and she said, oh, Maria, I definitely will. And she turned her head to look at the ceiling as if she saw something. And with my hands in hers, I felt the life leave her body. Bert had died. <laughs> my life changed forever that day. And I am so incredibly grateful for the gift that she gave me of having known her and being able to help her cross with such grace. Storytelling. So how many of you feel the emotion of that story? Yeah. And how many of you feel that you know me maybe just a little bit because of it. Mm -hmm. Real life stories are a powerful tool. Yeah. So whether you're telling your story of hope and inspiration, or your story about how you started your business, or sharing the value of the product or service that you are selling, your story can influence others. So in 2000, sorry, <laughs> 2013, I owned uh, my own business. I owned a local magazine, a local publication, women's uh, magazine in my community. And it was doing quite well. I had five salespeople. 
And one day, when I was working on my layout, um, my, the, my email started pinging, and I was getting all these different emails, and they appeared to be coming from my clients. And I knew most of them, because that was one of the reasons I was so successful. I was very, it was very important for me to know them. And I opened one of the emails, and one of my sales staff had gone into my master list, taken all their emails, and sent out a letter or an email stating that she was going to start her own business, different than mine, but advertisement-driven, all the same. And she was wanting to have them come over to support her. Well, needless to say, I fired her. <laughs> in a very nice way, and <laughs> um, a week later, I got an email from one of her clients who it became very apparent was a friend of hers. So she was giving me the notice of cancellation, um, and the reason was, she was very upfront with it, that I had fired her friend. And normally she could cancel, but in my contract, I had that if you ran a story about your business, that became non-cancelable. Because I have to send a writer out, and a photographer, and it's added value. Okay. And they had run their story two months earlier. So, <laughs> I explained all this to her and told her she had two more issues left and she would have to, have to get me her ad changes or I would run her previously approved ad. Well, she wasn't happy about that, and she sent me a couple emails back to me, and finally I said to her, I'd be happy to come in and talk to you, um, by phone or, or, or come in, it didn't matter, but you were gonna have to, um, you were two more issues. And I heard nothing. So two weeks later, um, I got, I sent out another email, because she changed her ads every issue, I just gave her a gentle reminder that she was responsible for this and that if she wanted the ad changes, I still could make them, but only for another 48 hours, right? So I didn't hear anything from her. And that afternoon, I got a phone call from the owner of the business. Who was her husband? <laughs> I don't think he wanted me to know that. Lying too much, right? <laughs> and he said, why are you asking for ad changes? You, my office manager, his wife, told me that we could cancel. And so I proceeded to tell him that no, he couldn't cancel and that this, is, this was my policy. And before I could get it all out, he started yelling at me. And he said, I don't know how you sleep at night. How dare you make me be in a magazine that I don't want to be in? What kind of person are you? So, everything in me, you know, when this happens, you just go, oh my gosh. I don't even want to deal with this, right? Go away. It's not worth the two issues. But here's the deal. I knew that his advertising was working. I knew the reason they canceled was not because of my product. It was because I fired his friend. And silently in my head I thought, you needed to get better friends. <laughs> right? So what came out of my mouth instead of that was, 
um, I have a contract for a reason. You um, have two issues left. I ran your story. I've met all of my obligations, and I expect you to do so as well. And then I said, I have all the corresponding emails to go back and forth. I'm happy to send them to you. But I never told her she could cancel. And then I heard, fine, click. So I sent them. I sent all the emails. And the next email I got for him were the changes to his next two ads. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Um, so then, press, the morning of press, like I normally do, um, I write my publisher's notes, nothing like at the very end. <laughs> and um, I sat down to write my publisher's notes, and I had this strong, strong, strong intuitive hit that I needed to write about my step-grandmother. I didn't know why. I don't usually write that personal, because that's very personal for me. And every time I would try to write something else, I typically wrote what was in the magazine and then an inspirational message at the end. Nothing was coming out right, so I thought, oh, I just have to write this. Somebody needs to hear it, right? So I did. Then I went to press. Ten days later, the magazines came out. They were distributed through the community. Eight days after that, I got an email from the man who asked me how I could sleep at night. And I hesitated to open it up because right away you think, oh my gosh, what happened? What did I do wrong? Did I put the wrong ad in? You know, <laughs> things like that. So I opened it and it read, Maria, I felt compelled to write after reading your candid life experience with your step, your step grandmother. It is moments like yours that compel each of us to hire to, to higher awareness to what is truly important. Your presence at the moment of Bert's passing may have been an assigned intention beyond our comprehension mapped out years before. I've always loved the, the saying, the purpose of life is a life of purpose. Well done. I read that email a hundred times. Not even joking. <laughs> and I thought to myself, as I'm reading it, I thought to myself, is that the man that was so, so mad at me? Yes. Yes, it was. The story... Stories are what make us human. They're what connect us. The best leaders, writers, trainers, speakers, successful business owners are all great storytellers. And it is storytelling, in large part, is what makes them successful. So one afternoon, my daughter, Brittany, was um, in the kitchen. She had just had a baby, newborn Lucy. <laughs> and a newborn Lucy, and she was sleeping, and my son-in-law and my um, 
my son-in-law, Seth, and my two-year-old grandson, Elon, were downstairs playing, and my four-year-old granddaughter, Ida, was in her bedroom playing when she found a big black mortar. <laughs> so she took the top off, and she went, and she went over to her white closet door, and she wrote, I-D-A, Ida. Then she walked over to her white dresser and wrote, I-D-A, Ida. <laughs> then on the way out of her bedroom, on her white door, she wrote, I-D-A, Ida. Then going down the hall, I-D-A, Ida. And two more times in the living room, I-D-A, Ida. Then she decided she was going to go downstairs and play with her dad and brother, and on the way down the steps, she wrote on the wall, I-D-A, Ida. Then she thought she'd go to the back bedroom down there, and on the white door, wrote I-D-A, Ida, on the dresser, I-D-A, Ida. And just for good measure, on the way out of the door, she wrote I-D-A, Ida, before putting the marker top on and going to play. <laughs> so, a little while later, Brittany was walking around the house and she was noticing that Ida was like everywhere. She was on the walls, she was on the doors, she was on the dressers, she was everywhere. So she went downstairs to talk to Ida and then noticed that she was on the wall going down the steps and thought she better check downstairs and found all the Idas in the bedroom. And she called her, her little girl over, and Ida stood here and looking up at her mommy, and she said, Ida, why did you write Ida everywhere? Why did you write your name? We don't write on the walls. We don't write on things. What were you doing? And Ida, with her big blue eyes, looked up at her mommy and said, because mommy, I wanted everyone to know I was here. Aww. So here's my hope for you, is that your voices be heard, and that you feel empowered to tell your stories. And like Ida, let everyone know you are here. <laughs> <laughs> You can learn more about Maria Ray at mariaray.com, and that's M-A-R-I-A-R-E-A.com, and you can learn more about Blue Talks at bluetalks.com. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.